welcome to Adapt, episode 31, which is brought to you by Text Expander and Paperlike. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined by my co-host Federico Vitici. How's it going, Federico? Have you been just chilling, enjoying the summer? Hello, Ryan. Um, well, as much as I would like to to just chill and enjoy the summer, and believe me, you know, this year I especially w- would like to do that. I've also been writing my iOS and iPadOS 14 review. Oh yeah, that. Okay. Yes, there's that. Um, you know, just uh, a couple of people on Twitter have asked me, "Hey, are you not?" Uh, writing on Mac stories anymore and I'm like no I still am <laughs> but like every summer I just need to uh, basically my, my entire afternoon if I'm not podcasting is entirely dedicated to just locking myself in my bedroom and writing and doing research and taking notes and testing the latest iOS 14 things uh, basically my picture these for two months in the summer every day so yeah, th- this is definitely a tradition, and I- I've gotten used to. Okay, Tishi's going away for a little while. He'll he'll pop out occasionally, <laughs> maybe to record okay. a podcast, maybe to, occasionally. Yes. But uh, yeah, that's what so you gotta do. It needs to happen at some point in September. We don't know when. Hopefully later than usual this year. But uh, somebody's gotta do this job, you know. So, yeah, and and that person is me. That it is. Well, today we're gonna talk about. Some of the things that maybe you've been writing about, which is features of iPadOS 14, not focusing so much on just kind of the the list of, oh, here's everything that's new, because we did that a few episodes ago. But instead, you and I have been using the betas of iPadOS 14 for over a month now, right? We're coming up on a month and a half. And so we wanted to talk about what have we been enjoying what is maybe not as great? You know, what what are our impressions at this point, you know, halfway into the summer? Because there, you know, there are a lot of big and small things, uh, as I think we'll we'll talk about today, that make this a really nice release. It's it's not it's not like last year, right? It's not uh, the iOS nine, iOS eleven, and then iPad OS thirteen, where it's kind of big iPad years. It's mm-hmm. definitely a smaller year. But it's not like an iOS 10 or an iOS 12. Like there's right. there's definitely more here. I, I personally, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Apple has has justified you know having this be a new version of iPad OS. Um, oh yeah, it, it's yes. it's definitely they've put some good effort and and there's some things that maybe uh, on the surface don't seem like that big a deal, but really the implications of those changes are going to have a big impact on iPad computing. Uh, we'll talk about all that, but uh, yeah, we just thought we could uh, dive into how our use of the system has been. Yes, let's do it. Um, and I think we need to start by talking about the sort of the overarching theme uh, in iPadOS 14, this idea of uh, Apple refers to as made for iPad or designed for iPad. So this idea that um, Apple is now giving developers the tools to take better advantage of the screen on iPad um, with these new interface elements and this new design philosophy, maybe, that uh, has been applied to to several uh, built-in Apple apps in iPadOS 14, but the developers can also implement in their own apps. And I think, personally speaking, for me, one of the one of one of the features that sort of falls under this marketing umbrella would be the implementation of sidebars and the multiple column layouts. Specifically, the the new native sidebar in iPadOS 14 and the ability for developers to implement three column layouts that are essentially based off um, what used to be an exclusive feature in Mail and Notes is now uh, something that developers, everybody can do it uh, on iPad. If you're making an iPad app, you can build applications with a sidebar, with a middle column, and with a content column um, on the right side of the screen. Um, and I think, uh, and, and I mean, if you want to be technical, this is an update to the existing API called the UI Split View Controller. So yes, I've been doing some research and writing about this stuff to answer your question, Ryan. Um, this is exciting for me. Uh, because, I mean, a sidebar in itself is not like a groundbreaking addition. It's not like it's the kind of feature that we'll, we've, we've had 
on iPad for a while in some third-party apps, sidebar is a common UI element on, on, on a Mac. Like, it's nothing revolutionary per se. But what I think is important here, what I think it's different in iPadOS 14, is the, the fact that along with the sidebar, Apple is sort of also giving developers a new direction for their iPad apps, and they're saying, you should consider moving away from this iPhone-inspired app designs and instead embrace what we're doing in our own apps and take advantage of the iPad screen with the sidebar and with multiple columns. And with this, they mean, you know, so far we, we've had so many iPad apps, including those made by Apple, that were not necessarily really using the big display of the iPad, and especially the iPad Pro. And if you consider things like music and photos, uh, for example, in iPadOS 13, they had, you know, this, this UI, uh, this navigation that was essentially a blown-up version of the iPhone app. So with the tab bars at the bottom, uh, no sidebar, just a bigger version of, of an iPhone app. And with iPadOS 14, Apple is saying, well, we have these devices that, you know, the subtext would be they are primarily used in landscape and they are primarily used, especially the iPad Pros, with a keyboard attached. So why don't we take advantage of this, this widescreen form factor and instead of using tabs at the bottom of the display, we use a sidebar where we can flatten the navigation, make it easier to reach different sections of the same app and allow developers and you know allow users to more quickly navigate between different pages, different subsections of an app, and also make these sidebars customizable so that we can actually put more controls into these sidebars. So when you take a look at uh, music, for example, in iPadOS 14, you now have a much easier way to navigate both different sections of Apple Music, but also different playlists from your library, for example. Or when you look at um, photos, right? Now photos has a sidebar in iPadOS 14 that makes it so much easier to navigate to different sections of photos. So for you and your albums, for example, but also um, all these other, like these albums that you manually created, now you can easily access from the sidebar. And so if you apply this design philosophy to all iPad apps, and if you consider like the implications for third-party apps, you can see how with just as, yes, it's just a, like a single feature. Yes, it's just a sidebar. But by just adopting that change, the consequences of that change have repercussions that go well beyond just saying, oh yeah, we moved from tabs to a sidebar. Now you are effectively adopting a sort of Mac-like app design where you are moving away from something that looked like an iPhone, like a blown up version of an iPhone app, and you're sort of entering this sort of a hybrid territory where you still have an iPad app where, yes, the primary input is touch, but also the UI idiom, if you will, is more, uh, you know, is, is inching toward Mac territory with the sidebars and with the option of controlling everything with a pointer because of the magic keyboard and support for mice and trackpads. So on the surface, it may seem like a small change, like, oh yeah, big deal, a sidebar. We always add those, but it's the, um, like, it's, the, it's the whole idea that Apple is pushing here, saying we want to make sure that iPad app design is more than just taking an iPhone app and blowing it up on a bigger screen. I, you know, you just said this is something that is a much bigger deal than it might seem. And I, I really didn't get that when when Craig announced this feature in the keynote. I really didn't get it when I first started using it. But then the more I thought about, oh, this isn't just for Apple's apps. This is for all third-party apps. I mean, both sidebars and, as you mentioned, the the three-column layout, which I've loved on you know, the iPad for years. It's It's been available since iOS 10 for Apple Notes and Mail. And that's honestly been a feature that has kept me in those apps when I've been, you know, enticed by uh, third-party options. 
because it just takes such great advantage of the largest iPad display, the 12.9-inch iPad Pro's display. And the fact that both of those things, sidebars and these multiple column layouts, are going to be available in third-party apps and that Apple is really making a, a big push with this, right? It's not just a, oh, yeah, we, we just tweak some things. You know, they, they do kind of have this this branding, this marketing of designed for iPad or made for iPad. And because there's not a whole lot else for developers to do on the iPad this year, I, I think that that might actually be a good thing for the sake of greater adoption of these different layouts um, because it, it could mean a huge shift in how third-party iPad apps are designed to make much greater use of the larger display. And and that's a really big deal. Like I, I think about all the apps that you know right now I use regularly on the iPad that have iPhone-inspired designs because the iPad originally was all about, you know, being inspired by the iPhone, being very, very similar to the iPhone. And over the years, Apple has changed it and has brought a lot more, you know, Mac inspiration and Mac type features to the iPad. And so just to think about how my use of the device is going to get better and, you know, I'll have more controls and more menus and more things at at my fingertips all the time without having to kind of bounce around between different screens. Like it's all going to be there in a sidebar or it's all going to be there in that three column layout where I can see everything at once. I mean, if, if third-party apps adopt these things, which I think they will. And, you know, you and I just from our relationships with developers and, and seeing on Twitter, what people have been up to, it seems like lots of developers are excited about making these changes for the iPad and I, I think it could be just a really big shift in the iPad app ecosystem. It's not going to be for every app necessarily, right? There's, there's some apps that, that have to have kind of proprietary layouts. And, you know, maybe they'll reconsider that because of these changes. Um, because, you know, not only does it make a great iPad app to implement sidebars and, you know, multiple columns, but also... It makes having a great Mac app even easier if, if you're going to use Mac Catalyst, if you're going to you know, try to keep your, your iPad and Mac apps more closely in sync than they have been in the past, then you really want to use these, these native system um, APIs and, and layouts. And so there's a, Apple's making a really strong case for developers to move in this direction. And, and I think that's a really exciting thing. Yeah, especially the like the point about Mac Catalyst is is one of the things that I don't think enough people are paying attention to because by by adopting sidebars, uh, it's really an ingenious solution for Apple to accomplish two things. One is you're building a stronger and and more um, flexible iPad app ecosystem where you're advising developers to implement this new UI element, and the associated multiple column stuff, because I think that also deserves attention, right? The fact that you can have multiple columns and those multiple columns, they adjust automatically in split view or, you know, with different size classes, with different um, iPad models. Um, so that's also a big deal. So you, you are advising developers to build upon these new APIs. And as a result, iPad apps will be much more flexible and versatile, versatile than before. But at the same time, the second thing you're accomplishing is you're going to make it easier for those developers to figure out at some point, well, I did all this work on iPad. Why shouldn't I also bring this app to the Mac? And now, especially with the, with the optimized for Mac version of Catalyst, that iPad app is also going to look even better, better as a native um, Mac version. So I think it's really a, a clever solution to accomplish two goals at the same time, you know, with the promise of these iPad apps eventually coming to the Mac and taking advantage of the superior uh, Catalyst technology that we have this year. And I can tell you that I've been able to try a handful, not too many uh, iPad apps built for iPadOS 14 already, and taking advantage of the multiple column stuff and the sidebars. And they're really lovely. I mean, it's really, really nice to have the sidebar that behaves consistently 
Uh, so it integrates with a pointer. It supports um, swipe gestures. It supports split view. Um, and it works, of course, with touch as well, in addition to the pointer. And with these multiple columns, that it really feels like I'm, like I'm able to get much uh, more done and more quickly on iPad than before. Because navigation is quicker, right? I don't, need, I don't have to reach to the bottom of the screen where I can only have like five tabs. Now I can have like 20 different shortcuts in, the, in, in, in a sidebar. And I think it really, once all I, iPad apps will start taking advantage of this and the multiple column API, I really think we're going to be a lot more efficient than before. And speaking of shortcuts, um, the Shortcuts app also, of course, I need to mention this, it now supports a sidebar because you can now create folders for your shortcuts. So long overdue change, but I'm glad it's finally here. And uh, obviously with the sidebar in Shortcuts, it really is a lot easier to switch between um, shortcuts, the gallery, and automations, but also navigate these different folders when I can organize all my shortcuts. So uh, this is the kind of change that, on the surface, it may seem like, yeah, uh, like, as I mentioned before, like, yeah, big deal. The Mac has had a sidebar for decades now. But on iPad, I think it's an important step in sort of shifting the the ecosystem. And as a result, we're going to have iPad apps are going to be so much better to use and so much quicker to use. And if you're a Mac user, you should also be happy because this means that it's going to be easier. Like developers will be more incentivized to bring their iPad apps to the Mac because they were sort of already look like Mac apps with just a few adjustments needed, uh, especially now that they have the optimized for Mac version of Catalyst. So uh, I absolutely agree with you, Ryan, that it's there's a lot more hiding beneath the surface than just, you know, being a sidebar. It's like the overarching idea of what Apple is trying to accomplish here that I think deserves um, attention. So here's a question for you, because you and I are both primarily 12.9-inch iPad Pro users, mm -hmm. which I'm sure offers well, the I best am, experience I guess with this. You now are as well. <laughs> yes. I've I mean, I, I, I have been, and I, you know, I waffled for a little bit, but yeah, yes. that's, that's my primary iPad. Um, and actually, I, I don't have any. I shouldn't say primary iPad. I don't have any other iPads. Just, okay. Just, okay. Yeah, that that wasn't very clear. But uh, I want to ask: Have you tried iPadOS 14 on any other iPads? Because I know you have an 11 inch. I know you have an iPad Mini you love. Are those running 13 still, or are you running the beta on either of those devices? They are still running 13, but I plan on uh, putting 14, I guess, on the iPad Mini. Uh, because Sylvia is now using the 11 inch Pro. Okay. So I don't I don't want to put a bit on that device. I think I'll start with the Mini. So I'll go I'll go from like the opposite end of the spectrum, basically, from the biggest iPad to the smallest one. And I'll see. I want to see what it's like on that device. But yeah, so far I've only used it on the 12.9. Where obviously, I mean, the sidebar and the multiple columns on the on the big iPad Pro they are really nice because you really do have enough screen space available to to comfortably use those columns. I think it's gonna feel it's gonna feel, I mean we've seen it before, it's gonna feel a bit more cramped on the 11 inch. Honestly though, I have no idea what it's gonna what the experience is gonna be like on the mini. Uh, I think you should I mean Apple said at WWDC that multiple columns are supported on all iPad models. But I'm curious to see just how small they are on the mini. Uh, they're gonna be like because, like, if you think about it, the iPad Mini is the size of two columns on the on the big iPad Pro, and when you put three columns in there, I'm really curious to to see just how narrow and small they are. Yeah, I can't imagine that they actually. I mean, yeah, it, I'm really curious to hear. And you know, if any of our listeners are running iPadOS 14 already on an iPad Mini, feel free to reach out on Twitter and, and kind of let us know what it's been like. But I, I can't imagine that they can fit three columns on the iPad mini display at the same time. Like maybe, you know, you have two on screen at once and you can easily kind of swipe between them. But but yeah, the, let me know when you find out because I, I think yeah. that is an important question in, in this discussion, which is, yes, this is all great for the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, which is really built for these features. But how does it work on the other size devices? Because most iPads are not the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. 
Um, and I could see on the 11 inch where sidebars work just as well, right? There's still plenty of screen space on that device. Uh, I, I do want to know if the full three columns can show up on the screen at once because that was an important factor in my evaluation of the 11 inch versus the 12.9 is I, I love that three column view. And before you couldn't get it all on screen at once with the 11 inch. Um, maybe that's changed. Hopefully it has. But with other iPads, you know, what what are sidebars going to look like? Or is it going to make the, you know, the actual content area or the rest of the screen, you know, not um, just not enough, not, you know, not, not able to show enough or whatever. So, yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out. Curious to hear how the how the mini experiment goes, but we'll have to report back on that in the future. Yeah, um, we have a lot more to talk about. But before we do that, let me thank our first sponsor. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so that you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling, and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, much simpler too. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. You know, Federico and I both love finding ways to speed up our work via automation, and Text Expander is essentially one of the most accessible forms of automation available. You know, type a few keystrokes, and your snippets automatically expand and save you valuable time. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity. Uh, Adapt listeners will get 20% off their first year of service. So visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Let them know you heard about them on Adapt and you will get 20% off your first year. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, I've got a, a small thing I want to mm. mention. There's this that feature that I know you're really excited about. I, I, I really am, I know. And it it is a small thing, but depending on how much you use this feature, it's actually a big deal. Uh, so the markup feature on iPadOS, which is something that is used in first-party apps, but it's also used in a bunch of third-party apps because Apple made this available to developers. Uh, Markup is the set of tools that, you know, you've got a a pencil, a marker, eraser, things like that, um, that you can use to annotate documents, that you can use in certain apps for drawings and so on. Um, I use Markup the most in the Files app. And I do this because I'll have a PDF that I want to annotate. And so um, there's an important change this year with markup that makes it a lot better for me, which is that in the kind of extra settings inside of that tool set, so you've got your set of tools on the right side of that tool set, there's a little three dot, little ellipsis icon, you tap on that and you'll get some additional settings. And one of those settings that's new this year is a toggle that says draw with finger. And if I recall, I believe that there was an option in previous versions of iPadOS for notes, the notes app specifically, where you could kind of um, toggle a setting inside the settings app to say, you know, when I am drawing something, when I'm using you know, these, this tool set, um, only accept, you know, input for drawing from the Apple pencil rather than my finger. So I can, you know, scroll a note with my finger via touch while also using the Apple pencil to draw without having to kind of switch back and forth between, okay, now I'm using the markup tools and now I'm deactivating them so I can scroll. Um, that didn't apply to the files app that didn't apply to things like annotating a PDF in files. But now there's this option. So if you turn off draw with finger, then you can 
pan around your document. You can scroll your document with a single finger via touch, and it will not make accidental you know, strokes with whatever the currently selected tool is, a pen or marker or so on. Um, this also applies in the screenshot interface. So if you have ever you know, accidentally um, added an extra line to a screenshot that you didn't mean to because you were, you know, maybe you're trying to grab the, the kind of cropping handles on the corners and you accidentally touched, you know, part of the screenshot. Well, you can keep those accidental strokes from happening now if you toggle the draw with finger setting off. And, you know, before in the files app, you could use like a two finger gesture to pan around or scroll a document, but it was just is a little finicky and my preference would have always been that if I'm using the Apple Pencil, then that uses the markup tools, then that draws on screen, then that does the annotations. But if I'm using touch, if I'm using my finger, I want to scroll or I want to pan around the document. And that wasn't an option before. It is now, which has just been, you know, a small feature that makes a big difference in my life. And so I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I can see I can see why you will be you will be excited for this. I think it's a very nice change. Um obviously I feel like I need to mention shortcuts in terms of like uh, other things that I'm excited about that just mentioned folders. Um I think uh, th- that's a very important change for me obviously because I have a lot of shortcuts to organize. I have about a couple hundred shortcuts after doing some major cleanup of my library uh, a few weeks ago. Um so folders definitely come in handy, but I also want to mention multi-window. Multi-window support in iPadOS 14, that's a very big deal for me because so often I find myself having to um, compare two versions of the same shortcut, for example, or just like re-implement uh, techniques that I've used elsewhere and just being able to have the editor, the shortcuts editor open for two different shortcuts up on screen at the same time. Very, very nice change for me. And also that plays well with another power user addition to shortcuts in, I, in iPadOS and iOS 14, which is the ability to copy and paste actions. Um, so I can copy actions from one window and I can paste them in the editor in another window. I, I never thought that Apple would actually ship this feature. And I'm so surprised that they did. Uh, but yeah, on iPad, this is especially nice because you can you can do this very quickly with multi-window uh, supporting shortcuts. And the other things like... Shortcuts is not like if if you don't consider the 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 core app changes, right? So windows, sidebars, like that stuff, like there aren't that many new actions uh made by Apple this year. There's a handful of those, but not as you know, not as many as last year or iOS 12, of course. But I think what's really exciting is what, again, what third-party developers will be able to do, Uh, especially because of this new, uh, and I'm getting a bit technical here, but this new API for shortcuts that is called in-app intent handling. What this essentially means is that if you're a developer and if your app supports shortcuts and if you offer shortcuts actions, you can now use this different way of running actions inside shortcuts in a way that... um, Actions can get a lot more done without launching your application with increased, uh, like they can actually launch your app in the background and they can perform something in the background with fewer restrictions than the old system. So a good example of this is you have an action that needs to do something memory intensive in shortcuts. And before that wasn't possible. So you force the user to jump from shortcuts to your app and then back to shortcuts again, because that action couldn't run in shortcuts alone due to memory limitations. And in iPadOS and iOS 14, this is no longer the case, because if you're using app intent handling, your shortcuts action can do something even like very memory intensive in just a few seconds inside shortcuts without leaving shortcuts at all, and then, as usual, pass back a result. Uh, For example, a few days ago, I was playing around with this app that lets you create passes for wallet. And this action is kind of wild in that it's got like 20 different parameters. You can create, like, like you can create a wallet pass with a custom logo, with a custom background color, with a custom font inside shortcuts. 
And this action uses in-app intent handling to do something that is like relatively memory intensive, right? I mean, you're assembling like custom graphics to create a wallet pass and it runs in like three seconds inside shortcuts. So think of all the shortcuts actions that you may be using today that to perform whatever they need to perform, they need to launch an app and return to shortcuts. An obvious example would be Toolbox Pro. So many actions need to take you out of shortcuts and then take you back to shortcuts. And if the developer of Toolbox Pro takes advantage of this new API in shortcuts, which I think it will based on what he's been sharing on Twitter, um, I think it's going to be a lot more powerful to assemble these shortcuts uh, that use third-party actions that can get these memory-intensive and CPU-intensive tasks done inside shortcuts. So it's kind of tricky to explain, but once you see the comparison in practice, like here's what this workflow used to be, what these shortcuts uh, used to be in iOS 13, here's what you can do now in 14. And I think you will see the difference and that's, that's very, very exciting. The two changes for me with shortcuts that have been most impactful on iPad are one, multi-window, which you mentioned, uh, which normally multi-window is kind of thought of as a power user feature, right? Someone who really heavily uses that app, you appreciate multiple windows. If you don't heavily use the app, then maybe you don't. Um, I don't consider myself a shortcuts power user, right? I, I mostly benefit from shortcuts that you create and maybe I'll take them and modify them and whatnot. I, I make some of my own, but they're usually relatively simple. But multi-window is really great in shortcuts for me because I can take one of your shortcuts, for example, or another one that I find on the web and have it in one window uh, on the left side of the screen, for example, and then have another window on the right side where I'm building kind of my own take on that shortcut and getting to see the original at the same time as I'm creating this new one just makes the whole experience so much faster and so much more convenient than before. And so I, I think that multi-window is going to be a big benefit in shortcuts not just to the people who are like, oh yeah, I've got 10 windows of shortcuts open, um, but also to people like me who, you know, you're not quite as comfortable with building these super advanced shortcuts, but you can take what someone else has done and modify it for your own purposes. And now you can do that much more easily with two on screen at once. So I think that's great. Um, the other change that I really appreciate is kind of how Apple has changed some of the design for running shortcuts outside of the shortcuts app um, with, you know, it, I, I don't know if it falls under the heading of compact UI technically or not, but um, when you're running a shortcut, say via the share sheet or um, you run it from search, uh, which search we're going to talk about in a minute, but um, all these different places where a shortcut is running that doesn't, you know, you don't need to launch the full shortcuts app. Um, the UI for that has been changed in iPadOS 14, and it's just really nice. And it it makes it feel like, um, like you're just getting things done much more quickly. I don't I don't know what it is about. You know, I haven't gone back and compared. Oh, how exactly does it look now, or how does it work now versus how it worked before and looked before? But I've just found that I I find running shortcuts from elsewhere in the system, you know, like the widget or something else, uh, is just more enjoyable than ever. And yep. I, I don't I don't necessarily know why. Federico, can you explain that for me? It's the compact UI. It's the whole idea of compact UI finding its way across the system, both for Siri and shortcuts. Um, and w basically what they've done is, instead of like from the widget and from Siri, not for home screen icons, unfortunately, but for those two, when a shortcut runs, it now essentially behaves like Siri in iOS 14 in that a shortcut comes down from the top of the screen sort of like a notification. That is called like that is part of the compact UI changes. And in basically they are trying to not launch the shortcuts app as much as possible. So trying to uh, let you completely run a shortcut from the home screen or from elsewhere, like search, as you mentioned, uh, or from the widget without opening the shortcuts app. And 
uh, of course, the Compact UI, again, it looks like a notification. Um, it supports uh, interactions, right? So it doesn't show you the editor. It doesn't show you the shortcuts editor. It doesn't show you like the top to bottom execution of your shortcut. Instead, it just shows you elements that you may need to interact with, like lists or typing into a text field. Um, and then when it's done running, it just disappears. And this compact UI stuff has been applied to a bunch of places in iOS 14, but it's especially visible, as you mentioned, in shortcuts and in Siri, where Siri doesn't take over the entire screen anymore and it uses compact UI to present shorter and in theory more accurate results. So uh, what, what you felt that shortcuts is now much quicker to use, it's because of these changes that they don't show you the execution of all your actions top to bottom anymore. They just show you a compact version of the shortcut that presents you with the key information that you need, meaning all elements that either display something or require your input for something. Okay, yeah, thanks for explaining that because I, I knew there was a difference, but I've because I've been using this for a month and a half now, you know, pretty quickly you kind of forget how it used to work. You just know that you like it more now. So um, you mentioned Siri, and I actually want to bring up Siri because Siri in iOS and iPadOS 14, maybe it's just me, right? Maybe it's, you know, it's not going to prove true for other people, but I found that Siri is a lot better than it used to be, um, partly because it is less intrusive in that, as you just mentioned, there's a compact UI on, on both devices. Um, on the iPad, it just pops up in the bottom right corner, just this little nice design, which I, I love how they've designed Siri. And I've noticed, you know, over the last few weeks that this new design is spanning all Apple devices. So like uh, calling Siri on watchOS 7, which I'm running the beta of that, it, you see the same little Siri design. It looks great. Um, I think it's a much better design than what used to be there, especially on the watch. Um, on tvOS 14, the other day I was uh, using Siri and I was like, oh, look, it's the new Siri. That's great. Um, and so I really like how it doesn't take over the whole screen. Um, not only that, but um, by default, at least the way my device is set up now, and I think there's still a toggle to change this, but there's not that like ding sound where you kind of have to wait like, oh, okay, what, when's the sound that's going to tell me that Siri's listening now? Like you don't, the, I think before you could turn it off and maybe I never did, but at least on my devices, I, I always had that before. And then now running iOS and iPadOS 14, it's not there. And it's just so much, it feels so much faster that you just get this little pop-up Siri, you know, beautifully designed Siri in the corner of your screen and you don't have to wait for anything else. It doesn't take over the screen. There's no sound you have to wait for. Kind of like, you know, if you're leaving a voicemail and it's like, oh, wait for the ding. Like you don't have to do that. It's just, oh, you see Siri, just start talking. And it feels so much faster to me not only faster in kind of how Siri presents itself, but also in the results that I get. Um, I, on my phone, for example, I've started running more um, home cut, HomeKit commands from my phone than I used to. Um, I have a HomePod, and so most of my HomeKit commands still go through the HomePod. But I've noticed that Siri is just extremely fast at executing these HomeKit commands when I do it on my phone. And, you know, hopefully maybe by the time HomePod version 14, whatever, you know, that that OS is called, um, is in a public release, it'll be a little faster too. Because I'm running the beta for that and it hasn't necessarily made things better. But uh, Siri just seems better. And this has probably been said too many times before and it's just kind of an anecdotal thing and it's going to get worse or it's going to be inconsistent as it always has. But I found myself using Siri more because it works the way that I would have hoped it would work. Um, and it has more knowledge now, right? It, it, it has all these trivia facts, kind of the, the type of things that um, Amazon's assistant, I won't say the name for the owners of Echo Devices' sake, but uh, that Amazon's assistant and Google assistant have been you know, great at for years in, in having this broader base of knowledge, whereas Siri has been kind of limited to certain areas, certain categories of content um, that it understands. Well, it, it understands a lot more now, but it also is faster and it has a much more 
pleasant UI. It's it's a much better experience. Um, I've actually found on my iPad that yes, I'm using Siri more, but I also wish that I had a keyboard shortcut to invoke Siri because then I would use it even more. Um, I I played around with turning on um, full keyboard access, and I, I kind of adjusted the the settings so that essentially the uh, there, there's a way that it works where full keyboard access, for those who don't know, is kind of a way to have advanced keyboard control of absolutely everything on the iPad's display. Um, it, it, it's meant, I think, as it, it's an accessibility. It's meant as an accessibility feature. It's not meant for you know mass market use, but for people who could benefit from it, it can be great. Um, I kind of tried to make it work to where you know it didn't annoy me with some of the kind of the weird ways that full keyboard access works. Um, mm. But I, I tried to do that so that I could benefit from additional keyboard shortcuts for things like Siri, because like I said, you can control basically anything for the system using full keyboard access. And you can actually set custom controls just like you can do on the Mac for lots of things. You can do that on the iPad with this accessibility feature. But there's all kinds of other issues with full keyboard access that made me turn it off pretty quickly. But I just wish I had, you know, either a Siri button. I, I know that there are certain like third-party keyboards that have Siri buttons, but I use Apple's keyboards. I use a Magic Keyboard right now, and so if they could just give me a keyboard shortcut, so I don't have to reach up to the top left of my iPad and hold down that power button, that would be so great, and I would use Siri a lot more. Um, have you found yourself using Siri much more, either on iPhone or iPad or both? This is literally something that I wrote yesterday for my review. I, uh, yes, I have found myself using Siri more, both on the iPhone and the iPad, because of the, um, mostly because of compact UI. So the idea that, a good way to think about this, so I've been doing comparisons between iOS 13 and 14. I have a backup phone, uh, 10s Max, where I can do my comparisons between 13 and 14. And a good way to think about the the differences between Siri before and now is run you run the same query on on this on an iPhone running 14 and 13. In 14, the compact UI applied to Siri means that Apple gives you the by default the first portion of what used to be a bigger Siri card. In 13. So, for example, if you ask Siri, like, um, who is Barack Obama, right? In 13, they would give you, like, this full, tall knowledge card that would tell you Barack Obama, former president of the United States, you know, a bunch of information. And it's a tall snippet, right, that takes over the entire screen. In 14, you ask the same question, and you just get the first part of the result. So a small photo of Barack Obama, the, his age, and he's a former president of the United States. And it's a small snippet. It's like, it's the size of a notification, right? What, what Apple has done, basically, is they have taken the first, like, literally the first half of a knowledge card, for example. They give you that basic information. And if you want the additional info, the additional info is still there. But you need to tap the result so you get into a secondary page from Compact UI. So if you want the secondary, the additional details are still there, but they require an additional tap now. So the idea being that Apple said at WWDC, I think, they want to make sure that with Compact UI in Siri, they can now get to the core of a user's request. So instead of giving you by default all these extra details, now they just give you the basic answer to your question, or at least they try to. And I think in most cases, they actually succeed. And if you want the additional stuff, you can tap in on the result and you, you're taken into this like um, secondary page. So if, and I've been doing these comparisons for like knowledge questions, for asking about my schedule, for asking questions about like calculations, conversions, all kinds of stuff that you can ask Siri. And it's always this, like, they follow this basic template of the knowledge is still mostly the same. Yes, now you can ask more trivial stuff. But basically, the knowledge cards and the presentation is still the same. But in 14, 
they've taken the top half of those knowledge cards, they give you the basic detail that you asked about, and everything else requires navigation. So it's basically a switch in what is considered the default behavior of Siri. And they're, they've gone from, oh, we want to make sure that you get as much information as possible, to no, we now just give you the basic detail, the basic uh, piece of information you requested. And then if you want, you can expand that Siri UI and get more details. And I think this is, accomplishes two things for me. One, uh, well, it accomplishes one thing for me, but there's potential for another thing on the horizon, I guess. Uh, right now, as you mentioned, it makes me use Siri more, both on the iPhone and the iPad, because this is also true on the iPad. And I think, in fact, on iPad, it is kind of funny how, after all these years, we've gone back to the original Siri design in iOS 5, when Siri would actually come up as a panel on the side of the screen as you held the home button on, on iPads years ago. I think it's kind of funny how we've gone full circle and back to that design. But I think what's also exciting here is I think it makes a lot of sense to switch to Siri that is a default, that is a compact assistant by default if you are the kind of company that's planning maybe a wearable device that is going to be Siri-dependent and where you absolutely do want an assistant that is compact and slides in from the side of the screen, maybe in front of your eyes, and provides you with a key piece of information and then disappears. I think from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense to, to make this switch now. That is a very interesting thought. I have not, you know, I've, I've been thinking about other new features this year and their relation to AR headset or glasses or whatever the case may be like uh, lots of people have said widgets and kind of their new design would look really nice with something like that so i thought about that but never with siri and yeah that's a really great point very interesting i hadn't i hadn't noticed that that shift in okay we're giving you less information up front but it, yeah that i mean the fact that it if, if, if it really is going to be the thing you actually care about right and i guess time will tell for different users um you know it may vary but if if it will be the right information and it's going to be faster, I mean, this like I feel like every year, especially since kind of Apple hired um, John Jan Andrea from Google, and you know, there's been rumors for years and years about oh, here's a big shift that's happening with Siri, and I do think that the company has been steadily putting a lot of work into Siri, right, and. Uh, in recent years, shortcuts and its kind of integration with Siri has been the biggest way that we've seen things change because now you can use Siri for much, much more command, you know, a variety of commands than ever before. But but there's still kind of been in my mind, like, is, is there going to be a year when there's a big Siri change where it actually gets like good to the point where people consider it good, not just good enough, but good? And... I'm wondering if this might be the year. Um, and, and certainly they need to do that before whatever the AR device is going to be comes out. So, huh, yeah, very, very interesting thoughts. It's an interesting, I mean, obviously this is just speculation, but it's interesting to to consider a, 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 really a bunch of changes in iOS uh, 14 as uh, maybe something that you would do in anticipation of that kind of device, that kind of device where it's a headset and you need to make sure that... Um, people can ask questions or they can glance at uh, small and compact interfaces. Uh, I, I think it's fascinating to... I mean, obviously, today we have what we have. We have widgets and we have Siri on the iPhone and iPad. But I think it's fa it's absolutely fascinating to consider, well, could there be like a hidden meaning here? Like, what's the subtext? I think it's a fun exercise in terms of Apple speculation. Um, before we move on to the next... Um, couple of items in our list. I just want to quickly mention uh, sort of a, a note of appreciation for the updated now playing screen in music for iPad in iPadOS 14 because um, it's, you know, they've moved away from that really questionable sort of a fake slide over <laughs> now playing screen on iPad. Uh, it used to be like this compact column that you couldn't det detach, couldn't do anything in that column that was actually useful on iPad. Now, 
in the theme of, you know, let's actually take advantage of the iPad's uh, larger screen. The now playing screen is now a full um, full screen page where on the left you have the album artwork and your playback controls. And on the right side of the screen, so taking advantage really of that widescreen form factor, you can choose between up next or lyrics. So you're not forced to choose either looking at the artwork or looking at lyrics. Now you can have both on screen at the same time. And I think it's really it makes for a really, really nice music player. If you have an iPad, you want to leave it up like on a shelf or on the kitchen table as you're cooking dinner, for example. You can have your playback controls and your album artwork and your lyrics at the same time up on screen. I think it's a really, really lovely update. Yeah, it looks very, very nice. I've been enjoying that for sure. Um, let me thank our next sponsor. And then we've got a couple other things to round out this episode. Uh, this episode of Adapt is also brought to you by Paperlike. If you have an iPad, and, you know, are we kidding? You're listening to this show. Of course you have an iPad. Then you will know how great it is to store your notes, drafts, and sketches digitally on your device. But sometimes, drawing with the Apple Pencil doesn't quite feel as good as writing on paper. Paperlike is the iPad screen protector for creators and doers that lets you draw and write like on paper. Whether you're annotating drafts, taking notes, or sketching out your big ideas, with Paperlike, you can take things to the next level by reducing muscle fatigue caused by writing on a glass tablet and make your iPad feel just like a notebook, all while keeping the convenience of digital. Artists love Paperlike too because it's optimized to create the ideal amount of friction and the right stroke resistance for optimal accuracy. So instead of sliding your Apple Pencil around on the glass surface, it feels just like a page in your sketchbook. And unlike other screen protectors, Paperlike enhances your viewing experience. It's made with superior display quality in mind. So Paperlike will never disrupt the experience of watching Netflix or YouTube, and the matte, anti-glare finish even lets you enjoy screen time while in the sun. Uh, earlier, I was talking about some of the changes coming to markup in iPadOS 14. You know, maybe some of you aren't as well acquainted with markup. You don't need to use it very often. But if you're the kind of person who works with the markup tools regularly, whether for annotating documents, uh, sketching out notes or drawings, then Paperlike is the product for you. Go to paperlike.com adapt right now to get your Paperlike device. That's paperlike.com slash adapt. Our thanks to Paperlike for their support of Adapt and all of Relay FM. All right, Federico, we got a couple more things. Well, what's the first thing you want to mention? Uh, I want to mention search um, with, a, with, a, with an asterisk. Um, so I really like where, uh, where Apple is going with, um, with search on iPad. So they have effectively... Uh, copied the classic spotlight design for search on iPad, where you press command space on the keyboard and search comes up anywhere and doesn't hide what you're doing, right? It's actually, that's another instance of compact UI uh, of like, let's, uh, one of the key principles that Apple discussed regarding compact UI is let's get rid of model interfaces that take over the entire screen and prevent the user from, you know, and and sort of do not retain the user's context. The news, the updated search on iPad is another instance of that. So I really like how uh, search comes up, doesn't hide what you're doing. So the app underneath is still visible and you can search, you can get results and you can launch apps more quickly, of course. So really nicely done. I think it's about time that search on iPad got that sort of visual treatment. So overall, I'm a fan. I think it's nice. Two things I don't like. One, on iPad, search still does not have a way to be activated inside apps without a physical keyboard. Um, you can use search on the home screen on iPad by swiping down on the home screen. But if you're using an iPad with touch, so without an external keyboard, and if you're inside an application, there's no way to bring up search because the only way to do so is 
I guess with command search or uh, with command um, spacebar, I guess you can probably whip up something with accessibility, uh, maybe some like accessibility gesture, but really there should be a way to just bring up search inside apps by swiping somewhere on the status bar or by having like a system-wide gesture that's enabled by default. So I really think uh, Apple should figure out a way to enable search inside apps without external keyboards. And the second problem is more of a problem that I have in general with searching iOS 14. I've been tweeting about this a few days ago and I got a lot of responses. Uh, I retweeted some of, some of them. Um, Apple is, again, in the name of Compact UI, Apple is changing the, uh, the, beha the default behavior of search in iOS 14 where, and this is kind of tricky to explain, but essentially what they're doing is um, they are now prior... So with, with this feature called Compact Search, they are now prioritizing web searches and like web searches and suggestions over actually showing you results from apps or from the knowledge-based um, Siri system. So I have some screenshot comparisons uh, that I posted on Twitter. Basically, now when you search for something, like the title of a song, for example, in iOS 14, you don't get all the results that you used to get before. Now you just get like a search icon, which I'll get to in a minute, a bunch of web, like Google, if you use Google or DuckDuckGo or any other like, web search suggestions. And then at the bottom of the screen, you get searching apps. And you may find like searching music, search messages, search notes, stuff like that in there. And this is radically different from before, where before, in 13, you search for something, you will get a bunch of suggestions at the top, but then further down the page, you would instantly get like, you're searching for a song, here's a song you can play in music. You're searching for something that is on Wikipedia, here's a Wikipedia snippet for you. You're searching for a document in files or some other app on your device, here's the file. So you would actually get all these multiple snippets, all these multiple matching results as you typed. What's different in 14 is Apple has, so far, as of beta 3, and I really hope they reconsider here, on the first page, you only get the web suggestions. If you want to get what used to be available on the first page before, now you need to tap on that search button uh, right underneath the search field, and you will be taken into a secondary page where you can find all those results. So results from apps, results from knowledge, results from uh, your files. And I think, like, this kind of behavior... I think it works for Siri. It doesn't necessarily work for search because when I'm searching for something, I want to make sure that I can find that item as quickly as possible. Don't take me to a secondary page. Don't force me to manually tap and, and open a page where I can find my search results. Results should come up immediately for anything I'm looking for. And I again, I posted a bunch of examples of different queries from knowledge, music, um, to files, podcast episodes. And I really don't understand why they have made this change. It almost feels like they decided, well, Siri is now going to behave this way, so I guess we can also make search work the same way. But it doesn't really work because, like, I would get it if, you would, if, if the system would actually do, like, intelligent matching of your searches and say something like, okay, Here's only one result for you because we believe this is what you're looking for. And that I would sort of understand, but just to completely hide search results and tuck them away in a secondary page, I, I don't really like and I don't really understand, honestly. Yeah, I used to not use search for much besides launching apps or right. like, like if I'm inside of an app and I want to bring a second app into split view and it's not in my dock, then I'll search for it and drag it out of that, you know, search window bubble and, uh, you know, do split view that way. 
but I have been using it more on iPadOS 14 because I really didn't like how many results were visible before. And it, it felt like they, you know, the search function would just bring in all these different results without much intelligence at all. It's just kind of like, here's everything that might in some way relate to this. There was no, um, oh, this is probably what you're looking for. And so we're going to, you know, put this at the top. I, I feel like that has never been done particularly well on iPad um, or on iPhone. And so in some respect, I'm glad that I don't see all that anymore. But like you said, it would a, a much better solution would be not stripping those things out or hiding them behind kind of an extra tap or an extra kind of keyboard, you know, hit the return button, but instead figuring out what, what does this user probably want? And I'm going to show those things. And so the fact that it's not there is unfortunate. Maybe, maybe it'll get there, but um, yeah, I think search has been better for me in some ways uh, in iPadOS 14 because I, I do like that you can kind of just type in um, a web search and hit enter and it'll open the web search in Safari. Like I find that really nice. I like that the it uses compact UI. Um, I like that the top result is automatically highlighted now. So if you search for an app, for example, um, or a shortcut, and uh, if if the first thing that you that shows up as the search result is the thing that you want, um, it's it's kind of highlighted, selected by the keyboard already, and uh, and you can just hit enter, and it'll open that thing or run that shortcut or whatever the case may be. And so those are some really nice changes, but hiding all these extra search results behind, you know, separate views just doesn't seem like the best way to do it. It feels like there's there's a middle ground that Apple could find that it hasn't found yet. And maybe that'll come in future years, right? This this could be just the the big year where um big changes are made and kind of in the future they will add back in some of the functionality and tweak some things to make it more functional. Um but for now it's uh it's unfortunate that it, you know, in many respects, it's it's not as useful as it used to be, even though in some respects it still is. So one thing that we haven't really talked about is widgets. And maybe that's because widgets are not implemented the way that I think you and I both want them to be implemented on iPadOS, where you can put them anywhere you want on the home screen, just like you can on the iPhone. I'm still sore about that. I, you know, I wish I had the app library on iPad. I wish I could put widgets anywhere. Um, but the other reason that we're not talking about it is because um, August is the anniversary month where we celebrate Relay FM, this podcast network that we are a part of. And so every year for Relay FM members, we do uh, special member episodes across all relay shows. Uh, some shows will do kind of um, crossover episodes, which are always fun. But uh, last year for Adapt, Federico and I used our members episode to talk through our iPad home screens. Mm -hmm. And so we thought that it would be a good time to do kind of a 2020 version of that and update everyone, especially with there are some changes. I mean, widgets are different, even though they're still on the left side of the screen. Um, but we're going to talk about that with our members episode, which is coming up um, in the next month or so. Uh, usually August and September are when the various members episodes come out. So um, if if you want to hear that episode, we'll be talking about it more in the future. But from relay.fm slash adapt, you can become a member and support adapt. Or if you support other relay shows, you will still have access to all the member episodes. Um, just like if you support adapt, you'll have access to member episodes from other podcasts. I'm sure there are some other great relay shows that you listen to as well. So uh, just wanted to mention widgets are an important part of iPadOS 14, but we will get more into that in our members episode, which will be coming up before long. So um, let's leave things there. Um, one thing we need to do before we wrap up is we have taken a break from our normal format of challenging each other every mm -hmm. episode. Uh, we did our series on using the iPad as a primary computer, and we had so much to talk about there that we couldn't really get into challenges as well. 
And then we had iPadOS 14 to talk about because of WWDC. So now things are going to settle down a little bit. At least we think they will. Um, so I wanted to give you, Federico, a challenge for next time. Okay. Please don't be too evil. I don't think it's a particularly hard challenge, but I think okay. it could be a challenge that's really beneficial to our listeners. Um, I want you... Uh, so we talked in our series on iPad as a primary computer about how file management on the iPad is different from how it works on the Mac. And there's a variety of differences, but one thing in particular is that iPad OS really doesn't have the kind of robust versioning support that um, the Mac has. And it's not necessarily entirely Apple's fault um, because there is an API with iCloud Drive where apps can support proper versioning for files so that you can, you know, you have a document that you're working in and you can view past versions of that document and, you know, switch back to an older version really easily. Um, but there's very few apps, at least as far as I know, and I, I mean, I write about apps for a living, so um, there are very few apps that support this API. And so what I want you to do, Federico, is to do some research and figure out what are the apps that do support iCloud Drive versioning for documents um, and try it out. I'm sure you've used it before, but just kind of walk through the process of you know, how that versioning feature works and then come back next episode, talk about which apps you found that support it and talk about how it works so that some of our listeners who may not be as familiar with the fact that this even exists on the iPad mm -hmm. um, can can be aware of, oh, hey, if this is something that's important to me, then I know which apps I need to check out. Um, and I think it'd be a good resource because it is kind of one of those things where, you know, the, the API is there, but there's not a lot of support for it. And, you know, if, if you asked me the name off the top of my head, what are some apps that support iCloud Drive versioning? Like, I would not get very far into that list. And so, um, so I think it'd be helpful for me as well. So that, that is your challenge for this next episode. I can do this. It's fun. Yeah, I have a couple, couple of apps in mind already, but I will do my research and see if I can come up with, uh, with some more options. I'll, we'll see what I can do. All right. This has been episode 31 of Adapt. I want to thank our sponsors for today, Text Expander from Smile and Paperlike. If you want to find show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 31. And if you'd like to follow us online, Federico is on Twitter and Instagram as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. -I -I. You can find me on Twitter as at IRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And both of us are, of course, writing at macstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.